If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the word of the Lord. So my kids, they love, do you, do you guys do the Christmas light thing? You, you know, you get in a minivan, hot cocoa and go see lights. Do that, love that, remember that? Or station wagon when you're a kid. Um, so my, my, we love to go do that, and my kids love to do that. And seeing these lights is amazing. It's amazing to my kids because they love the beauty and the magic of it all. It's amazing to me because I'm like, how, how do you have so much time to do all this stuff? And so it's, it's pretty, um, should you be something better with your life? But anyway, if you want to hang up lights for two years, go ahead. So we, but, the, but some houses don't just have lights. I mean, they just have these amazing displays, and, and, and some of the houses, um, they'll have like the, you know, you've seen these like these big. Christmas, they look like Christmas presents, these big boxes with beautiful uh, wrapping paper and beautiful bows, and like the, the wrapping paper is sparkly and looks all really, really impressive. And my kids, I mean, especially when they're young, maybe it's not so now, but when they're kid, younger, their jaw would drop, right? Because when, when, you, when there's presents around the tree, they're always trying to figure out, you know, what's in what. And, and, and so when they see these big boxes and these beautiful bows, they're thinking, oh my gosh, what in the world is in there? And um, I remember a few years ago, my youngest was like, well, dad, don't they need, doesn't someone need to guard these? Because like, could, someone could steal you know, the presents. And I had to explain to her, like, no, 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 no one's going to steal that because there's nothing in the boxes. They have these beautiful wrapping paper. They have this beautiful bow, this beautiful stuff, but there's nothing inside. Um, and I think that you know, this time of year, I think the name of Jesus can actually be like that. Uh, for some of us, because it's the name of Jesus, you know, with this, all the sin, sentimentality of Christmas, it's like this big box with this beautiful wrapping paper and this beautiful bow, but the, the, it has no content to it. It has no meaning to it. It's just, it's just a name and it's empty. And, and, and my hope for, for us, for you, uh, is that it wouldn't be, the name of Jesus wouldn't just be this beautiful box, but with no content inside that you would understand, actually, and, and become to appreciate and receive um, the names of Jesus. And it's this, we're in a series on the names of Jesus, and this is the last one, and I saved the best one uh, for now, which is uh, Emmanuel, the, the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, because in this name, there's over like 80 names of, of, of God, and, but this name of God is, is the best one. And in fact, that's what not just I said this, but John Wesley said this, um, on his deathbed, uh, he said, John Wesley, he was, if you don't know about him, you may have heard about him in, in history. He's the one who's responsible for the Methodist church. And on his deathbed, his final words were, this is the best of all, God with us. And that's the name we're going to look at today, Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and we're going to look at those, those three words, God 
with us. God with us. Jesus, on Christmas, what we celebrate, we celebrate God with us. He is the most unique person in all of history. Uh, He is fully God and yet mysteriously fully human. He has everything that makes God God, and he has everything that makes man man. Uh, On one moment, because he's man, he can be hungry. But in the next moment, because he's God, he can feed 5,000 people. In one moment, because he's man, he can be thirsty. In another moment, because he's God, he can walk on water. In one moment, because he's man, he learns and he grows. He, 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 he gets established. But in, in another moment, because he's God, he speaks with all authority. He calls himself the son of man one moment and another, man, another moment uh, the son of God. He never wrote a book. But yet there are more books written about him than any other person in all of history. He never traveled more than 300 miles from his birthplace. Yet I dare you, I defy you to find a place on the globe who has not um, heard of this name of Jesus, this name that is above all other names, a name to which angels sing and demons shudder. Because he is human, he died on a cross, and he did die on a cross. It was a back, it was actually beaten, and hands and feet actually nailed to a cross. But because he is God, he is fully God, Three days later, he rose from the dead. He is, but he wasn't always this way. He wasn't always God who was with us. He was God who was just other. He was, he was a tornado. He was a pillar of fire. He was, he was not to be messed with. He was other. I remember in high school, my 11th grade teacher took us to a museum to see the special mummy exhibit. I mean, she was really big into Egyptian um, um, stuff. And so she wanted us to go see this mummy, which was cool for us. And so we went and saw the exhibit, which was all right. But what caught my attention, what caught my attention was this, there was this roped off section that said, do not enter, not for public viewing, you know, staff only. In fact, there might've even been a sign that said dangerous. And I'm like, well, that settles it. We're going in there. So like we, so me and my crew, we, we go back in there. You know, of course we got caught and got in trouble and all that. But like, but this, they had this roped off section. We just had to get back there. And for, and for many years, for thousands of years, God was like that. He was roped off. It was do not enter. This was, this, you know, only, no one can go back there. But when Jesus came to earth, he changed all that. He's like, you want to see what's back there? I can show you what's back there because I'm back there. If you've seen me, he says, you've seen uh, the father. It wasn't always true, but it's true because of Christmas. Well, how did he do that? Well, he took on flesh, the Bible says. The Bible says he, says he took on flesh. He, he becomes 100% man without letting go of any of his uh, deity. He was still God, but yet fully um, man. And if you think you're going to get a good explanation for that, I just want to spare you the disappointment. You're not. I mean, there's this great mystery in that, but I'll, I'll do my best. Um, God taking on flesh is what's known as the incarnation, right? The incarnation. Um, Carne means meat, right? So you can have chili that's like normal chili, or you can have chili con carne, which is what? Chili with what? Meat. Meat. So the incarnation is God with what? Meat. Meat. Right. I know it's it's a little redneck, but it's theology. You guys are doing real, you guys are doing real theology. God with meat. God took on flesh. He became us before in the, before it was like a fire. He was a tornado, but now he's, he's a baby. 
He came, he took on flesh. He came, became one of us. It's amazing. I love, I love that about, I mean, this incarnate word of God. He is the incarnate word of God. It's one of the, it's a great, great description. I, a decade or so ago, I lived up in Normandy and around the corner, there was a, a church uh, a Catholic church and a school called Incarnate Ward, which you got to hand it to the Catholics. I mean, they just have the best names. But I mean, us, you know, the younger evangelical, I mean, they got some weird, you know, oxygen and tapestry and like catalysts. And, you know, it sounds more like a boy band than a church. It's like, are we coming here to see Jesus or Justin Timberlake? Like, I can't figure it out. So, but Incarnate Ward, I mean, just rich meaning that God took on flesh, and he became hungry. He became one of us. He became hungry, tired, thirsty, bored. He had to learn things. He went through puberty. He went to junior high. He felt peer pressure. He had to work in order to pay the bills. And this is huge. This God became a man. This, this, the impossible became possible. The immense became a single cell. The God who was separate became God with us. The God who was unapproachable became huggable. The supernatural became natural. And because of that, we can have a relationship with, because that's my next point. The next point, he's God, he's, this, he's, he's other, he's, he's the God man, he's God and man, but he's also with, he's with, he came, he, he approached. That's what makes Christianity absolutely unique. You see, all other, all other religions have, are, are, you know, I hate even kind of mentioning Christianity and religion at the same time because religion is about, is about man's attempt to get to God. But on Christmas Day, this is God's attempt to get to man, to come to man, knowing that man can never get to God. And so he comes to us. Uh, John 1.14 says it this way. It says, the word became flesh. We already talked about that, you know, became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt means tabernacled among us or, or he made a tent among us. Like he made his dwelling place with us. Like he's the God who loves to hang out with us. He wants to have a relationship with us and not just kind of a casual relationship, but like a really deep, meaningful, like the kind of relationship that uh, God the Son and God the Father have, like a really close one. Let me show you this verse, a few verses down. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God, but it says this, it says, who's at the Father's side. Now, I just gotta be honest with you, that's a really bad translation. It's a really, because that's not, it's not really, it's not really communicating the depth and the intimacy of what's going on here. I know this is going to shock you. This is, going to, this is a shocking statement. But the Bible wasn't originally written in English. I know. I know it's shocking. I know. I know. They didn't ask our permission. They just did it. And it's Greek. And they wrote it in Greek. And this word really is who's at the Father's bosom, right? And that's a completely different idea. That, like, like, you see, Dylan is, 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 I don't know how he feels about me, but I mean, I, I consider him a, a good friend, a lifelong friend. And I will be at his side anytime he wants me, but I don't want anything to do with his bosom, right? <laughs> because that's just like a whole nother level of intimacy and relationship. It speaks of being intertwined and connected in a really deep way. That what he calls us into and being with is not just this casual thing, but real intimacy. What if, what if, what if today Jesus, what if God wasn't just this distant idea to you, this philosophy, this beautifully wrapped box with a bow on it, but what if you would today begin to experience his nearness, 
his love, his power, his concern for your life. You wouldn't live with a sense of duty to do things for God, but know that he's pleased with you, not because of you, but because of Jesus, because of what he did, the life that he lived, not the life that you live, the death that he died, not the death that you have to die, but he died in your place. So he's God, he's with, and he's us. He's God with us. Now, who's the us? Now, here comes the exclusivity of Christianity that you know, kind of makes people nervous. Because the text does not say God with all. It says God with us. It doesn't say God with all. It says God with us. So, so who's the us? And more importantly, are you a part of the us? Because God with us is exclusive. It is exclusive, but it's not exclusive how, we, how you think. Um, almost always, uh, to, for something, when something's exclusive, it's like you got to make the grade, right? And so, you know, Harvard is exclusive because you got you, you to make actual grades, right? You know, the A ones, you know, the ones that are really good. So it's exclusive. Not everyone can get in. It's exclusive because you have to be a certain, you got to be a certain level. Country clubs, you got to pay certain fees. You got to know certain people. You, you got to be a, you got you to, it's exclusive because you got to make the grade. Or, or, or if you're like a, a, a musician or in theater or uh, in movies and, you know, you know uh, professional athletes. I mean, this is like an exclusive group of people because you've got to have the talent to be there. So it's, it's not for everyone. It's, it's for an exclusive rank. What do you need to be a part of Heaven's Club? You need nothing. But listen, not a lot of people have that. You need nothing but that's not what a lot of people have. The main thing that keeps people from being outside of us isn't that they come to God with too little, it's that they come to God with too much. Brian, what in the world are you talking about? Some of us come to God like this. We come to God with a good life. God, I've, I've, I've lived a good life. I'm a good person. You need to accept me. Or, or they come with good intentions. You know, I know I'm not perfect, but I mean well. You know, some of us actually on the opposite side, we, come with a, we don't come with a good life, we come with a bad life. God, you, I have had a bad life and you owe me. See, the problem is you're coming to God not with too much, or excuse me, not with too little, but with too much. To come to God, you come nothing. It's the us, the us is not the moral, it's not the wise, it's not the good, it's the humble. It's the ones who say, I don't have anything to offer. I'm not a good person. I don't have good intentions in light of you, God. I, I read this tweet. Um, the only redemptive thing. In a, but it said this. It said, what if the song read like this way? Oh, come all ye faithless, joyless, and defeated. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Not the joyful, not the faithful, not the triumphant, but the faithless, the joyless, and the defeated. If your life is not all that Instagrammable, Christmas and Christianity is for you. The us is an exclusive group. It's not for everyone, but it is for anyone. It's for anyone, but it's not for everyone. It's those who humble themselves 
and say I have nothing to give. So I want to end with just a few application points. Um, This will be very brief. Number one, this means that we should be confident. If you are in Christ, you should be confident. You should be confident. If it's true that Jesus is God and you have him, you need to take the limitations you have made for him in your life. Some of you have problems, habits, and needs in your life, and you've just decided this is the way it is and this is the way it always will be. Some of you have problems and habits and needs in your life, and you've just decided this is the way it is and this is the way it's always going to be. Paul was able to say this in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul was a, a powerful leader in the, in the, in the early church. He, led, he started a lot of churches and he wrote a lot of what we read about in the New Testament. And he wrote that very, very famous, famous chapter on love that you probably heard at a wedding, 1 Corinthians 13. And he says this, he says, love bears all things, love believes all things, it hopes all things and endures all things. Now, how is he able to say that? Well, he was able to say that because he was confident of the power that was in him. I mean, he's the one who said things like, you know, greater is he that is in me than is he that in the world. Because he, the one who spoke the world into existence and he didn't like, you know, hey Siri, you know, let there be light. Like he actually did it. It was him. If he could speak the world into existence, how do, you know, your problems are nothing. Do you live with that kind of confidence? You should be confident. You should be, your bad habits are no match for his power. Your problems are no, no match for his voice that can change things in an instant. Don't put limits on yourself. Don't put limits on this church. Don't put limits on the group that you're a part of. Don't put limits on what God can do with you and a few friends in a neighborhood or in your workplace. Be confident, be confident in who God is. Be closer, be closer because God is with us because Christmas is about God being with us. And let that motivate you and inspire you for you to be with him. And that's where, that's actually the key to the first one, being confident. Because most of us don't really know him. We, we know about him, but we don't really, we don't, we're not really, you know, the whole bosom thing isn't really tracking with us because we just, we're not that connected, but he wants to, to be that connected. And actually, that, and again, that's how our confidence is. You see, because he's God, he can do something about our problems. And because he's fully man, he sympathizes with our problems. You know, we, you know when, you, when you have a problem, you actually probably don't go to the person who can fix it because you're probably afraid he'll, he or she will judge you. Because if they actually have the power or the solution to figure it out, they may, you may fear they'll look down on you. You want to go to the person who's just as messed up as you are because you want to be sympathized with. But they can't do anything about your problem. But here's the great news about Christmas and here's the great news about God. You don't have to choose. God will both hug you and help you because he's fully God and he's fully man. And as you approach him, you'll gain confidence that he does sympathize that he's not standing over you saying, I did it, why can't you? But he loves you. And, 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 he has the power to do something about it. So you should be confident, you should be closer. And if this isn't you yet, you should be a Christian. 
Are you a part of the us? This doesn't happen by association. It doesn't happen because you know you, your parents are Christians. It doesn't happen because your uh, friends are Christians or you have a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa, a pastor or a priest. You know God because you know him personally. We have access to God because of Jesus Christ, because of Christmas, because he came to this earth, he walked this earth and he died in our place. And that gives us access. It gives us relationship. Do you have that relationship? You don't have to leave here today without knowing that you can have a power inside of you that's bigger than your world, that's bigger than your habits, that's bigger than your problems. But you don't, come, you don't go to him with the list of reasons why he should accept you. You know, I did that once. I went to, uh, I got in trouble long time ago, um, I went to court and I went with a bunch of reasons why I should not be guilty and I won. But if I go to God that way, it doesn't work because there's nothing I can bring to God that's going to matter. The only thing that matters is what Christ did for us on the cross. Why don't you stand? If you could uh, bow our heads, I just want to invite those who've never, who don't know Jesus personally, like you can't say that you know him personally. You know him by association. You know him through a friend or a pastor or a priest. But you've never, you've never come close. He's distant, he's other, he's roped off. You know, you can talk to him, but it's by appointment only kind of a thing. You don't really just know him as someone that you're really, really close to. If you want that to change, it's not about trying harder. It's actually about stop trying. And it's, just, it's, it's a give up. In fact, sometimes you may have heard that language before. Like, have you surrendered your life to Christ, brother? Like, what the heck does that mean? It means that you give up. So it means to surrender your life to Jesus. It means you give up. And today may be the day that you give up and start this relationship. So if that's you, just if you, everybody can just bow their heads. If that's you, you can just say this prayer in your heart. This is not, there's no magic in the prayer. It's just a declaration to your own heart about who God is and who you are. So if that's you, just, just repeat in your heart this, 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 this prayer. Jesus, I give up. I surrender to you. I realize that I'm a a terrible leader of my life and I come to you with nothing. And I want to receive this gift of salvation that you earned on my behalf by coming to earth and dying on the cross in my place. I receive this gift and I ask that you would give me the Holy Spirit to empower me to live this life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you, if you said that prayer, if you've declared that, the Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You're not saved by association. You're saved by calling on his name, but you do need people in your life. So I just want to encourage you and charge you to, to go and to talk to a pastor. There'll be 
a moment in the service will that be clear where you can go and, and receive prayer and, get, and, and talk to someone um, and to let them know what God did for you. But for the rest of us, can we leave here today with, with confidence about who Jesus is and about who he is in our life, that we can be confident, that we don't have to just settle in the idea that our problems will always be our problems, that our habits will always be our habits, that our pain will always be our pain. His power can break through. Let's be confident. Let's be closer. Let's, let's remember when we celebrate Christmas and Jesus taking on flesh and being born as a helpless little baby, the length that he went to to be with us made it inspire us to go through, to, to take that much more initiative to be with him. Maybe even waking up early, maybe even checking out a group to, to adjust my schedule. I want to be with him. I want to be with his people. I want to relate to him. I want to grow in confidence. May God bless you and Merry Christmas.